0: Welcome to The New Man Podcast, a show for brave men to experience freedom in their faith, sexuality, and relationships. The goal, to provide practical tools and timeless principles that help you become the man you were made to be. And now, your host, Sathya Sam. What's up, everybody? Welcome to The New Man Podcast. It's Sathya Sam. Uh, you guys know that I'm usually recording outside my home, and in this case today, I am actually recording not only outside my home, but inside my car. So I'm on the, I'm on the move here, and I do drive sticks, so you're going to probably hear some gear shifting in the background, and uh, I apologize in advance, but this is all part of the experience. Uh, you know, when I actually launched my podcast, um, I did a little bit of research, because I I saw like a lot of good, well, there's lots of good podcasts out there. And even in this field, there's lots. And, and most of them are interviews and, and they're very uh, well-produced, highly curated content. And I wanted to do something different. You know, I wanted to uh, do something that was a little bit more raw. I feel like when you talk about sexuality and freedom and, you know, some, some of these things that are deeply personal, uh, you know, if something's overproduced, it just it sends the wrong message. It kind of goes against everything that we're trying to accomplish here. And I, I, um, I thought it would be nice to do something that just felt a little bit more off the cuff, uh, a little bit less polished, and a little bit more relatable. And when I dug into it, uh, one of the big voices on this is Gary Vee. And he makes a distinction between doing uh, content production versus documentation. And the idea is that – or uh, he uses different words. I think he says – content creation versus documentation. And the idea being that you know lots of people out there uh, produce content and they, they plan it out, it's all strategized, there's a, a certain level of finish to it, and then other people are uh, you can just document and and I, I really like the documentation approach and um I felt like it's uh it's just a little bit more of the vibe I'm going for and what I'm trying to accomplish here and it gives me a chance to post more regularly which I love doing because uh, I get to correspond with you guys more frequently that way and it means that I can record while I'm driving to do a little bit of grocery shopping so this is kind of fun um, anyway uh, lots of different topics kind of swirling around that I've been uh, I've been thinking about wanting to share with you guys, um, but the the one that's sort of uh, I would say has risen to the top the last the last day or two. It actually came up in a group coaching call yesterday, um, and that is the subject of the emotional bank account. And uh, this was one of the most helpful metaphors that I learned from a, a mentor uh, years ago. Uh, mentor's name is Chip Judd, and he's he's not necessarily a household name. But he has done quite a bit of pastoring, mentoring, and counseling to uh people that you would know quite well, people like John and Lisa Bevere as an example. So he's he's very profound, uh, one of the best communicators I've met. And um this emotional bank account idea came from him, and uh and I've just kind of run with it and adapted it a little bit to to suit my purposes. But um the reason I, I wanted to share this is not just because it's uh you know a profound insight or whatever else. But the, the reality is if you can really master this concept and, and you're going to see it's, it's nothing complicated, it's uh, very simple, but sometimes the simple things are the hardest things to master. It's, it's easy to look like you're a master when everything's complicated, but when it's simple, um, that's, that's what really tells the true story. And uh, you're going to see that uh, this is very simple, but it's not an easy thing to to necessarily you know, live out day to day, but when you can uh, – it's just unbelievably impactful. And I'm, I'm going to actually share the question my client asked yesterday because uh, his question was a really good one and it provoked some good conversation in our group. And, uh, and I think you'll be really encouraged by it. So here's the, the basic premise of the emotional bank account. Um, we all, we all carry one, you know, basically from day one, we all have an emotional bank account and it, it operates very similarly to a, a regular bank account in the sense that there are two types of transactions. There are deposits and there are withdrawals and the goal is that uh, we always live at a surplus. So similarly, your, your bank account cannot go below zero. If it does, you are in debt, you're running a deficit and in financial terms that is discouraged. That is not considered healthy. Uh, Similarly, your emotional bank account is always meant to operate at a surplus and the greater the surplus, the healthier the man. Okay. The greater the surplus, the healthier the man. So we all have emotional bank accounts, and nobody told us that. Nobody taught us that we have emotional bank accounts, and because of that, uh, most of us operate either at a deficit, or we actually have a surplus and we don't know how to access it. But one way or another, we are basically collecting dust on our accounts, and it's going to affect our own well-being, and it's going to affect our relationships as a result. So here's a, an example of what that, how that might shake down. Um, A deposit, an example of of a deposit is basically an interaction with somebody that leaves you feeling good afterwards. Now, it doesn't mean that they were like speaking these warm, fuzzy words over you, although that could have been part of it. They might have been encouraging you. But it's just the fact that you come away from it feeling strengthened, encouraged, feeling uh, secure, both in yourself and in the relationship. That would be a deposit. It It adds something positive to the bank account balance, the emotional bank account balance. Um, An example of a withdrawal might be getting into an argument or uh, a boss who sort of takes out his anger on you. Um, An interaction, trying to get some customer service and nobody is really giving you what you want and they're really rude to you. I had an an incident like that happen this week. So those are examples of withdrawals where after the interaction, we feel like something has been lost. It, It costs us resources, more than any of the resources we gain from the interaction. And look, it's not like the goal is that every single interaction you have is a deposit. That is not the goal at all. uh, as a matter of fact, it is part of life to have experiences that feel like withdrawals. This is the nature of being in relationship with other people, whether it's colleagues, family, friends, or whatever else it might be. But what we wanna do is we wanna be really good bookkeepers of our emotional bank accounts. We, we wanna get really good at paying attention to what is going on with the accounts and ensuring that we are at a surplus as much as possible, if not all the time. And that in the moments where we catch ourselves in a deficit, so that might be, it might not be that you had one bad interaction because you know if you're a reasonably healthy person, one bad interaction is not gonna be that big of an issue. But maybe it's that you have a series of stress-inducing interactions Uh, You know, you get a ton lashing from your boss. Uh, You and your significant other are sort of at odds with one another. And maybe you're, um, you know, struggling to make ends meet and you're a bit stressed out about paying the bills. All of those things cumulatively could leave you operating at a deficit. And when you can learn to recognize, whoa, I got a lot going on here. um, I'm starting to have those responses. We all have responses that, that are just sort of innate when we're at a deficit. It might be that we have a short fuse. It might be that we get really sad, we wallow in self-pity. It might be that we eat more sugar. Uh, obviously, for the sake of our purposes, it's quite likely that porn becomes a stronger lure. Um, all of these things contribute, and and they they are sort of the uh, the warning signs. They're the lights on the dashboard that you are operating at an emotional deficit. And we, we call this sort of skill self-awareness. It, it's simply building that understanding of, oh, yeah, this is going on and I know this means X, Y, Z. So that's that's really what this is about. It's about building that awareness so that when you identify, okay, yeah, you know what, my sugar cravings have gone up. Um, let me just think about it. Yeah, actually, I have had a couple really tough days or that, that one interaction is still kind of nagging at me a little bit. Um, that is, that is the sign that I need to do a little bit more work. I need to give myself some space. I need to journal. I need to go for a run, go for a walk. I need to book a massage. Um, I need to go reconcile with my wife. It, I mean, the solution is going to vary depending on the conditions. But the point is when you can start to identify, um, okay, I'm at a deficit. And here's what I can do to get some deposits back into the account so that I'm feeling good again. You, you become a much healthier person. And what you do is you, you actually curb those, uh, you know what would be otherwise debilitating circumstances. They now get curbed and you're able to actually produce a healthy outcome. Um, so for me, this was critical. Like the, sometimes the stresses of life when I struggle with pornography, they would just become too much. And so I, I was able to actually um, bear the stress of a busy life and high responsibilities and everything else. Because I knew that at the end of the day, I would watch porn to relieve myself. It was kind of like this, yeah, no problem, I can handle the stress because I have an outlet. My outlet was just super destructive. And when you have outlets like pornography that are destructive, it is sort of like trying to pay off debt with more debt. It it doesn't actually fix the problem. In fact, it leaves you high and dry. It leaves you worse off. So that that is why it is not just enough to find a solution that kind of temporarily medicates the moment, you actually need to dig deep and find healthy alternatives that legitimately deposit into your emotional bank account. Now, if you want to take this a step further, a tip that is really helpful is the five love languages. And if you dig into this, the five love languages really give you insights into what is required of you to keep your emotional bank account at a surplus. So for me, I'm a quality time person and words of affirmation. So I've actually collected a document of encouraging words that people have spoken to me over the years because uh, I need that. I actually need that from time to time when I'm discouraged, I'm stressed about life. Sometimes I feel like, what am I doing here? Do I have any purpose? Am I doing the right thing? Um, Those words of encouragement really help me keep uh, an emotional bank account balance that is positive. And similarly, um, you know, uh, quality time is another big one. I usually block out some time for me to just be able to think, to walk, uh, whatever it might be. That quality time, even with myself, is really helpful. And the amazing thing about these kinds of solutions is that they don't require another person. And so they, they are solutions that you are 100% in control of. And that means that if uh, if all your other options are exhausted, you know, everybody else in your life is grumpy, and miserable and pissed at you well hey you still have avenues that don't require anybody else that can put deposits into your bank account and keep you operating at a surplus and what happens once you start to really master this and you execute this consistently what happens is your quality of relationships improves your thought life starts to clarify and you become much more confident in yourself because basically what you demonstrate to yourself is that even in the most trying of circumstances, you are able to keep things under control and make healthy decisions. So this emotional bank account is a really big deal. And I'm telling you, if you can really start to wrap your mind around this concept and apply it to your day-to-day living, just do a little check at the end of the day, just balance the books. How am I feeling? Am I operating at a surplus or a deficit? And again, all that is intrinsic. It is dependent on how you actually feel in the moment. And it, it is kind of, um, it, it, is, it is a skill that you hone with practice and with time. But as you do it, you'll become more aware and you'll be able to quickly identify, yep, this is what I need, make those decisions, get those things done and respond accordingly. So when I had this uh, really uh, bad interaction with somebody on the phone uh, the other day, man, bad customer service is just, it is so triggering for me because I just feel like you got to treat your clients well. You know, you got to treat your customers well. I'm just really passionate about it. So anyways, got poorly treated. And, um, and, you know, I, I fell into some really classic patterns that I'm a little bit ashamed of. But, I, you know, I was kind of like, who's your manager? What's your employee number? Um, kind of like trying to use this uh, coercive fear tactic to be like, you know, you're gonna pay for this for the way you treated me. And, um, and what, what was even more infuriating and, and good for this woman for responding this way, but she was like, oh yeah, sure. You know, um, you're going to call my manager. Here's her name. Here's blah, blah, blah. She was just unfazed. And um, that was kind of part of my issue was that she didn't care, but, but kudos to her for at least uh, not giving into my fear tactics. And anyway, you know, afterwards I'm like, um, I'm like, okay, I'm going to call, I'm going to file this complaint. I'm on the website. I'm looking at all the, all the channels and avenues. And I was just like, what am I doing? Like, this is such a poor use of my time. This is such a poor use of my emotional resources. And while that interaction itself was a withdrawal, um, I am now furthering the impact that this is going to have on me by, by responding poorly and making a mountain out of a molehill, as it were. So, um, you know, it, it was just uh, it's, it's that kind of self-awareness that, that sort of stops you in the reaction, realizes what am I doing here? I'm actually hurting myself and i just went for a quick walk and I, I was outside i was in my backyard when it happened so i literally just paced back and forth uh, in my driveway sometimes that physical activity alone is uh, is enough to just sort of get the energy out decompress de-stress and regain your composure and um and that's what i did and you know what i was good for the rest of the day so uh it's it's really um it's a it's a practice that comes with time but it is so unbelievably impactful when you can really start to to flow into it, and um and I'll give you another personal example as well. No, sorry, actually let me not give you a personal example. Let me give you the example my client used yesterday. I promised I would do that. Um, my client is getting married in a couple of weeks, and um he's doing really well actually. He's been free of porn for uh, a couple of months, and when he came to me, he was struggling, um you know a, a lot more regularly. I forget the exact frequency, but he's. Um, he said that for him, the, the biggest change has been this emotional bank account thing, really learning to um, just to be aware of what's going on. And he said he had never really understood that before. Nobody ever taught it to him. And his question was, how do you consistently put deposits into your own emotional bank account when you're you know, going through stressful situations and stressful circumstances? So I gave him some of the tips that I already mentioned. You know, I talked about finding those things you can do on your own. Um, and, and then I talked about the value of journaling as well, uh, because journaling is really the, um, it's the thing that yes, can help you become aware of what's, what's going on in the books, quote unquote, it can sort of reveal, are you at a surplus? Are you at a deficit? But furthermore, journaling in of itself can actually put emotional deposits into your account. It can, um, it can actually be a a positive contributor because you kind of get the, the stress off your shoulders by writing it out and sort of having that safe outlet. So um, journaling is something I highly recommend. But then uh, the other thing we talked about is uh, is the importance of confrontation. So when you are in um, some sort of conflict with, with another person, the stress and the anxiety of it can be really, um, it can sort of exacerbate the deficit. And so we just talked about how actually um, confrontation, even though it's a little bit scary and it's not something that any of us inherently enjoy or maybe a very small percentage of people uh, actually uh, can can do it uh, with enjoyment um, confrontation is uh is if it restores connection and if at the end of the day it's executed well then confrontation can actually be something that is positive for your emotional bank account if it restores connection it's going to ultimately be a deposit and so that that whole concept that's a specific example but the concept there or the principle is that you can actually leverage withdrawals and use them as deposits. And so it might mean that a stressful situation, you're, you're feeling overwhelmed, I can't do this, this is too much, uh, you're, you're in worst case scenario, and learning to reconceptualize, manage your thought life, talking to an advisor about it, getting some input. These are examples where you, you basically turn a withdrawal into a deposit. And you realize, oh, actually, this, while this is stressful and it requires a bit of risk with me, the reward is going to be much more significant. Or, you know, you can fill in those blanks there, but learning to leverage can really go a long way. Now, my other advice to him was, uh, was similar, but it's this whole concept of confronting the uncomfortable. And so it might be, uh, you know, addressing conflict in a relationship or it might be something else, like um, like maybe you are uh, just feeling numb emotionally and you know you should journal, you know you should talk to somebody about it, you know that you probably need to go for a walk and you just don't wanna do it. That, um, that gap that exists between what you know you should do and what you are currently doing is called discomfort. The gap is called discomfort. And we need to build bridges that make the gap more surmountable, it makes it more convenient for us to actually cross it. And one of the best things you can do is just force yourself and this is where you have to really rise above what you feel, rise above your tendencies and your patterns and just force yourself to do it. It's a little bit challenging at first and um, sometimes it might mean that you you don't feel like journaling and that your journaling might actually be really lackluster, but it is still better that you do it because in doing it, you bridge that gap. It may not be a strong bridge it may not be that sturdy but it's there and that's what matters it bridges you from where you were to where you want to be and as you do it with repetition that bridge is going to get stronger sturdier and it's going to become easier and more convenient so there's definitely an element of sort of exercising that willpower and if you if, if you tell yourself oh i i can't do that sophia like i know you can um, you make it look so easy uh, i'm sure your clients can do it because they're learning how to do it and you are guiding them but I can't do it. I don't know how to do it. I just want you to know it's that thought that is stopping you and nothing else. There, There is actually a, a, a there's another thought there that you can embrace, which is that you can do it, that it is possible. And that my challenge to you is just to try it. Just try it, confront what's uncomfortable, give it a shot, force yourself to do it and see what happens. And usually, as is often the case, you will get, um, a positive outcome. It's not gonna be, um, you know, like Handel's Messiah plane as the heavens part kind of thing, but it's gonna be something that you say, yeah, actually I do feel a little bit better. And when you get that positive outcome, even if it's just slight, it's gonna reinforce it, it's gonna make it more likely to repeat itself again, and you will now build a habit of leveraging those withdrawals for deposits into your emotional bank account. So, I'm at my destination here. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening um we'll we'll talk about this more. I really want to talk about conflict as well. That's that's something that comes up a lot, uh, handling relational conflict. So maybe that'll be our next episode. And um hey, I hope you guys have a great day. Uh please uh leave a rating and a review for this. It really helps me get the word out as uh, I try to build my following here. But lots of love and I wish you guys an amazing day. Take care. Thanks for listening to The New Man Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, you can share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest, please sign up for the weekly newsletter at www.sathiasam.com or follow on Instagram at sathiamesam. Thanks again and see you next time.